Hi, I'm Mike Pickles, and you're listening to the Daily Deal Podcast. We hear about inspirational stories from folks like you and I. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Pickles Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Pickles. Now, today's guest joins us all the way from Nevada. He's a hypnotist extraordinaire. Please welcome Kevin Lapine. Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. And don't feel bad. You're not the first or only pr- person to mispronounce my last name. Uh-oh. How do you say <laughs> it? It's okay. It's, it's, so it's Kevin Lapine. Lapine. And what I love about uh, about talking about this really quickly. Okay. So people who have known me for years, people who have been my friends, <laughs> if I just hand them my intro, if they're supposed to intro me, will immediately screw up my name. So like on intros, even for friends of mine, I will misspell my name, L-A, and then capital P-I-N-E, nice. so people pronounce it right. Because the moment people walk on stage, stage fright is the number one fear in the world. Yes. Everybody hates public speaking. Number two is death. So if you're at a funeral, you're more comfortable laying in the casket than you are giving the eulogy. <laughs> True. <laughs> so Kevin Lapine. Yes, sir. Thank you for correcting me. Oh, thank now, you for having me on. When did my pleasure now? Quick question before we start here When did you realize that you could become a hypnotist, that you could do this for a living? Like, how'd that come about? So, my whole life has been like a series of learning by somebody being dumb enough to say, Hey, would you like to learn this? Okay. And whenever anybody was dumb enough to make me that offer, I would become the gum on the bottom of their shoe. I started doing plays in high school. That was where I found my community. That's where I found my ability to grow. And from there, I got picked up by an entertainment company uh, doing costume characters for kids' birthday parties. So I was either, you know, like the purple dinosaur or karate turtle because for trademark purposes, they didn't have the Ninja Turtles or Barney. So I was the purple dinosaur or I was the karate turtle at your little brother's birthday. And that got me into magic. Magic got me into sideshow. And it just kept building and building and building. When I was 20, I got to work with some hypnotists who got me enrolled in the course for social workers. And it just took off. And now I've been headlining in Vegas for the last 13 years with my show Hypnosis Unleashed over at the Four Queens. Wow. That was going to be my next question. How many shows do you think you've done so far in Vegas? So in Vegas, 13 years at about 250 shows a year. Um, but then we take, you know, let's just drop that down and make it a little bit simpler. I've done over 2,500 shows. Wow. That's in Vegas. That's in Vegas alone. Worldwide, I've, I've probably done, I mean, if I talk hypnosis shows worldwide, I've probably done 4,000, 5,000. If we talk about different shows and performing, I mean, between doing house parties, kid parties, between working restaurants, bars, clubs, nightclubs. Uh, I was doing ghost tours and vampire tours in New Orleans while I was doing my show out there. I've probably done ten to 15,000 different shows. Wow, good for you. I love every one of them. Now, what would you consider your, your favorite place to perform? Oh, Vegas, hands down. This, Vegas. this is always my dream. Um, Okay, let me make an amendment there. It's a tie. My two favorite venues are here in Vegas. And when I get to go back to Detroit to do the Comedy Castle, which is the big comedy club in Detroit, they have a standing offer for me to do a one-nighter anytime I want to do it. And that has been a huge compliment. Nice. So you mentioned comedy. So do you you actually see some big 
some big shows out there, some big people, big performers? Oh, always. That That's the beauty of it. Uh, you know, I actually just put out a book. Uh, that's what the poster is behind me. It's, it's deep into my eyes. It's from Victim to Vegas Headliner. It's how I went from a child of abuse to being a headliner in Vegas. How I was a child of bullying and different different forms of abuse to get to where I am. Yeah. And the beauty is I go to shows here in town all the time, just like performers come to see me in Hypnosis Unleashed. But it's a community. And that was the thing that actually got me out of bullying and into where I am was being able to build a community. And it's amazing to me that just about all of the high-end performers here in town that I know, all most of the people I know that are working the strip, working downtown, it's a community. And I've been able to reach out to amazing people. They've been able to reach out to me and really, really built a great friendships. Yeah, when I listen to uh, Joe Rogan, he's a guy mm-hmm. I listen to a lot, his podcast. And he talks, uh, what you just mentioned, a lot about community. It's a community yes. out there. Yeah, your, your community is really going to be one of the things that makes or breaks you. And don't get me wrong. When you're in a group of friends, when you're in a community, they're going to flip your crap. It's what, it's what friends and people do. But if you're in the right community, for every time they flip you crap, there's also two or three times they're building you up. Yeah. And if you have that community around you, you really can succeed at almost anything. So do you currently live right in Vegas, like in the thick of things? So... Uh, according to tourists, we all only live in hotels and eat at buffets. So if you don't <laughs> want me to disillusion that for you, the truth is, as soon as you get like a mile away from the Vegas Strip, you're in any other southwest town here in the United States, just with really cool amenities. Um, Las Vegas is actually three towns. You have Las Vegas proper, you have the Henderson area, and then the Somerville area. I'm over in the Henderson area. So I'm like 17 minutes, though, door to door from my house to my showroom. Now you mentioned bullying because um, I'm a teacher by trade, and you know we see we see bullying occasionally yes. and have to address it. So oh, would yeah. you say that that's part of who you are? Like I know you use a lot of comedy in your shows. Um, the bullying almost led me to to my death when I was 15. Wow. Um, it really took me to that dark of of a place. Thankfully, I had an opportunity uh, to change schools and. The night that I was ready to kill myself was also the night that, thank God, I came up with another plan. And the plan was to try and grow and to be somebody else. I mean, school bullying is really, really hard. It's And while I, I don't give the administrators in my past a pass on this, mm-hmm. bullying wasn't understood for the damage that it did then. I think we've come a lot further in understanding this isn't just kids will be kids this is something that can lead to a lifetime of trauma. And as teachers, I've heard from a lot of different teachers. And what I've heard, one great solution that I've heard is teachers using different social tests, like using different questionnaires with kids. Hey, who do you want to sit by? Who who do you think is good for this? And like just making like these lists and having kids fill them out because it helps them identify kids that maybe aren't getting the attention they need. And finding ways to put kids into a social group that's going to be more accepting, that's going to help build them up, as opposed to being in a situation where they feel belittled a lot. Yeah, well, Kevin, I'm sorry to hear that you went through that, but I'm glad that you came out in a positive way. There's there's a lot of great ways to come out on, on the other side of it. And I, I tell this to kids all the time. If for some reason that your school isn't able to, to, to provide that community for you, 
find something else not affiliated with your school. Find a scouting program a town over. Find a, a martial arts studio a, a town over. Find anything that you can do to belong to a group. Because as soon as you're part of a group that builds your self-esteem, nobody can take that away from you. When you feel isolated, it's easy to lose your self-esteem. Yeah. Part of that community again that you mentioned oh, earlier. Oh, yes. And, and I mean, honestly, I think what it taught me was empathy. Because mm -hmm. doing what I do, I mean, I bring, you know, strangers up on stage every night. I'll get 15 people a night to volunteer. And then in four minutes, I've got half of them hypnotized right where we need them to do a great show. But I have to have the empathy as a performer to, re to remember, you volunteered. You took a chance. I owe you a good experience. And how do I look at how your personality is presenting itself to make you look like a superstar? That's my goal with Hypnosis Unleashed is unleashed means to unleash that star in all of my volunteers. Speaking of students in school, do you perform at schools at all or have you in the past? So I, I started off doing high schools. I mean, that that's one of the first places a lot of performers perform. And a lot of the students that I teach start off by performing in high schools as well. I did colleges for many, many years. Now being in Vegas, it's a little harder to travel, but uh, I, I, I should have a high school show coming up next year because I have 16-year-old triplet siblings and I promised that I would do their grad night when they graduated. Nice. That'd be yeah. special. Yep. Uh, in fact, the last college I did was uh, my niece's college. So, yeah. you know, every once in a while you get something like that and you can't say no. So what would you consider to be one of your most outrageous acts? Like when the volunteers come on stage, like what's something you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Oh, every night. That's the <laughs> beauty of it is you never know what's going to happen. Like I'll, I'll have people, you know, fighting over napkins that they think are hundred dollar bills. And every once in a while, you just have somebody take it into just a really, really, really crazy point of view. I've turned huge guys into like Britney Spears or ballerinas. And you know, all of a sudden, every once in a while, you get, you know, the six foot four, 300 pound guy who all of a sudden is actually doing really amazing ballet moves. And you're like, wait a minute, what was that? You know, you, you just, you never know what somebody's personality is going to be, but it's always fun. So when they get on test, uh, on the stage, I mean, yep. and I don't want you to share your, your secrets or anything. Oh, no, but, but I, ask but away. What are, what are your sort of uh, pre-screening techniques you do to see if someone The only pre-screening that I do is I make it really clear, don't volunteer if you have medical problems that might say you shouldn't volunteer for a stage show yeah. or don't volunteer if you're under 18 because I'm going to do an adult show. And, you know, I mean, if, if I'm at a state, if I was at a state fair, if I was at a graduation and adult wanted to volunteer, I'd be fine with it. But in a situation where you could have drunk adults, I don't want drunk adults and a child on stage next to each other. Yeah. So really it's anyone. And then what happens is as I'm going through the hypnosis part, which is about four minutes of the show, but you actually get to see how the people are going in. Things I'm looking for is I'm looking for like their body relaxing. I'm looking for that tension in the shoulders disappearing. I'm looking for the head relax. I'm looking for all of that. Uh, the eye fluttering. The That means you're going into REM, so you're focusing. Yeah, because I remember I went to a few hypnotists in the past, and they bring, mm -hmm. you know, say 30 up on stage, and they go through a little screening thing like you just mentioned, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you 15, go sit back down. So yeah, they it, didn't make the cut. It's not that they didn't make the cut. It's that 
for whatever reason, they just weren't focused enough that night. And there could be a hundred reasons behind it. You don't know who they have in the audience. Is somebody in the audience making them nervous about being up there? Are they just super uncomfortable, but they still took the chance of trying anyway? I appreciate everybody who gives it a shot. And honestly, if I took five minutes with everybody who volunteered, I'd get all of them under. But if I take five minutes with 15 people, that's 75 minutes gone. Right. Yeah. Good point. Because I think you have a certification hypnotism, right? I When I went through the course, so when I learned it, I went through to a course for social workers because that at the time, that was the only way I could find to learn. And I got certified at the time as a hypnotherapist. I believe the language has probably changed. I was probably just certified hypnotist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's like any other course. Sure, you can get a certification in it, but unless you're out there doing it and continually learning, it doesn't really mean much. And the reason I ask is I've heard before, you tell me if this is true or false, I've heard before that people say that some people just can't be hypnotized. If you've ever pa- if you've ever fallen asleep, you've passed through hypnosis. It's that natural of a state. Okay. So Not yes. everybody can be hypnotized by every hypnotist. Mm-hmm. You have to, in order to truly hypnotize somebody, you have to be able to have a rapport and a comfort level with them. And some people don't, and some people don't feel comfortable with certain people. Right. Now, do you go around uh, sort of looking at other shows, other hypnotists? Oh, always. In fact, at one time, there were three major hypnosis shows here in town. And all three of us went to lunch together every few months. We went to each other's shows. We've supported each other left and right. In fact, when I opened, one of the other hypnotists sent me a huge gift basket. Uh, Another one helped me with my staging. Different comics, different performers have shown up and helped me write, helped me direct. The amazing Jonathan, who is a very good friend of mine, constantly helped me rewrite my show for the better. Wow. And Sue, who are some of your sort of favorites that you enjoy watching? Uh, I mean, throughout my career or currently? Uh, So throughout my career. All right. We'll start throughout the career. Um, All kinds of of different performers. Um, I'll start with the amazing Jonathan and Harry Anderson. They were two comedy magicians who always just blew me away. They were very different in their approach, but both absolutely brilliant, uh, both of which would uh, become mentors and friends of mine, which I was extremely thankful for. Um, Comedians, God, uh, Christopher Titus, Dave Attell, anybody who had something different, something unique, anybody who was really putting forth something really strong and personality driven. I was just drawn to, uh, you know, in, in new Orleans, there's a group of magicians. I mean, the Doug Kahn, Warpo, just phenomenal magicians in the new Orleans area who helped me learn. Uh, there was a hypnotist called Raven, uh, who was one of the first hypnotists I ever saw who really helped kind of direct me on my path a little bit. And then here in Vegas, I mean, Carrot Top's amazing. Mike Hammer is a fantastic comedy magician that everybody should go and see. Uh, Matt King is also a great performer. I mean, just tons and tons. I will go and see everything. I, I, I love immersing myself in other shows. Yeah, my wife and I went to Vegas. We're, I'm in Canada, as you know. We went to Vegas uh, a couple of years ago to watch a hockey game. But uh, Penn and Teller were in town. It's the magic. Yep. So we went to watch them. So yes, great I show. Know- you do magic as well, correct? Uh, I don't do magic anymore. I, okay. I I started off with that in my past. 
Uh, actually, I just took uh, my triplet siblings, my wife and my father to see uh, Penn and Teller about a month ago. Nice. It's, it's a great show. Uh, honestly, doing Hypnosis Unleashed, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday at the Four Queens. So I don't really have a lot of time. If I do magic now, it's it's more as a hobby or because I'm hanging out with some magician friends. And when we're sitting around talking, we're not talking about how to do an effect as much as we're talking about how do we make this effect fun and interesting and that kind of writing I love. Yeah. And I read somewhere that you won the Best of Vegas Award, right? Yes, I was very thankful. We won uh, re Reader's Choice. There were only a couple of years where they offered an award in my category, and both times we were the Reader's Choice winner. And I am beyond thankful for that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Of you know, I mean, to to win one of those awards with all of the competition and all of the deserving competition is a giant compliment. So what's new? What's what's next for you? I should say, like, where do you see yourself going in the next, say, five years, ten years? So that was one of the reasons I wrote the book, uh, Deep into My Eyes. There's also you can go to that website as well. It's deepintomyeyes.com. One of the reasons I wrote the book is because I wanted to talk about the bullying and I wanted to talk about the community building. One of my next goals in the next show is, and I'm probably just going to start in the you know like local area. But I, I'm probably going to be doing some a lot of speeches at schools. I want to really talk to students and talk about finding your community so that you can grow past bullying and you can grow past self-isolation. Because isolation, especially in, in your teenage years, is so detrimental to your mental health. So a lot more speaking. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm very, very passionate about this topic. So that that's what's coming next. Okay. Because your your uh, your daughters, your kids right now, they're how old did you say? No, uh, I I don't. Uh, my wife and I don't have kids. I've got sixteen year old triplet siblings. Oh, two, triplet uh, two sisters. Siblings. Yep, two sisters gotcha. and a brother. I am the oldest of ten. Gotcha. Wow, ten. Yep. Um, I started as the oldest of three. I'm adopted, and when I was okay. thirty, I found my 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 birth parents and my birth father. His hobby since he was nine was magic and hypnosis. So wow. him and his wife and my mom and dad, we all got really close really fast. On my birth mother's side, I got really close with that side of the family as well. And so because of all of that, I went from the oldest of three to the oldest of 10. Wow. What a story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an amazing adventure. Yeah. Do you see yourself writing more books, by the way? Is that your first? Possibly. This is my first book. Yeah. Uh, and somebody once described the writing process the best way where they said, what you do is you write. And then you agonize over what you wrote and then you go back and you rewrite it. And then you think about that for another hour and then you rewrite it again. And then you come back to it the next day and you rewrite it until you have it where you like it. And like, oh, and then your book's done. Oh, no. Then you work on the next sentence. Okay. That makes sense. It's, it's, that makes sense. When it's something you're passionate about, it's easy to get it out there. And I was really passionate about the message of talking about community building. So it made it much easier. Yeah, so true. That's so true. How, how what's the best way to people to get a hold of you, Kevin? So uh, you can go to hypnosisunleash.com. That's okay. the website for the show. Or you can go in, go to deepintomyeyes.com for more information about the book. Okay. But I mean, here in Vegas, just the joy of of coming out here. I mean, besides just the shows, what was your favorite restaurant when you came to Vegas? What was mine? Yep. Uh, probably was it Jimmy Buffett? Okay. Yep. You yeah. were over at Margaritaville. I, Margaritaville. 
one of my passions here in town is recommending food for people. I okay. love recommending restaurants. I love, oh my God. I mean, besides the food, you have the food, you have the sites, you have the shows. There's just so much to see and do in this town. So, so what are some of your favorites then? Uh, so, to recommend, I mean. So to recommend, so in the Four Queens, we'll, we'll start with downtown. In the Four Queens, they have a restaurant called Hugo's Cellar, okay. which is like the ultimate old school, like anniversary kind of dinner place. Every lady gets a long stem rose. They do the salads table side. It's just a gorgeous old school Vegas service. Uh, amazing dinner. Uh, something a little bit more casual up on top of Binion. So you get the whole view of Fremont Street and beyond. They have uh, the top of Binion Steakhouse, which is great. Uh, got over in the Venetian, if we start going up down the strip, uh, but in the Venetian, you've got Lobster Me, which is uh, like a place where they cut up a lobster tail, throw in a bun. It's like 20 bucks. And it's a great way to do lunch. Uh, there's a couple of Grimaldi pizzas. There's just whatever you love. There is something here in the price point you want to pay. That's fantastic. And what do you prefer the most? The the new strip or the old strip? Like New Vegas or the old Vegas? So even New Vegas, one thing I tell people is Vegas changes every five years. Mm. Every five years, this is a whole different town because that's how Vegas stays relevant. I love downtown and even downtown is evolving. I love downtown for the classic of it. I love the fact that there are you know, six, seven different casinos, plus a couple of other attractions that you can all walk to in the space that it takes to walk across basically almost one and a half properties on the Strip. So that's great to me. Uh, on the Strip, though, it's just, it, it's different. My favorite, of course, is going to be downtown. I do love that old Vegas. I really do. But I mean, even even up and down the Strip, there's history, there's fun, there's all all different kinds of things to see. Now, do you see yourself moving anywhere else or is Vegas? Is that God, it? no, I love this town. Uh, I grew up in Detroit. When I was 25, I went to New Orleans. I, I was there for five years. I moved back to Detroit for five years. I've been in Vegas for 13 years doing this. This is where I, I, I'm happiest. I mean, it's, it's where I met my wife and you know, we're going on seven years. And this town has just been so great to me. And I, I get to live my dream. I, I get to do my show every night, which I'm passionate about. And I, I get to make people laugh. And that's fantastic. Your wife, is she a performer too? She is. Uh, she is in my show. She is also in a show called Marriage Can Be Murder, which is a dinner theater show here in town. She's the lead in that a couple of days a week, as well as the assistant director. Plus, she just put together a school assembly for elementary school kids that deals with social, emotional learning, growth mindset, and conquering negative self-talk. Nice. Good. Yeah, it's, she, she is amazing. So did you meet through your show or no? Just We actually did. We met through my show. <laughs> uh, we, she started working for me. And we, we were working together for over a year. And, you know, the entire crew would just hang out for different things. And her and I just started hanging out as friends. And a friendship eventually bloomed into something that has been absolutely life-changingly amazing. Yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Yes. So do you train or coach hypnotists as I do. Know, future? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times a year, I will do a hypnosis training. I limit my training to four students, though. It's a four-night, five-day course, and the reason I limit it to four students is every student gets the opportunity to do a routine in my show. Nice. So what every is- student, besides, because I believe, I believe 
the only way to learn is to learn by doing. Mm-hmm. I can't learn something if I'm not touching it or participating in it. So if I'm going to teach something, it's going to be something that's hands-on. It's going to be something where we're doing this together, where we're learning learning it together and we're making it happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So how can... So it's all online. All this information is online. Like if somebody wanted to get a hold of you for yep. training. If, if, if you go to hypnosisunleashed.com, just drop yep. me an email. Tell me you're interested in training. And I will put you in the information system for all of that. Okay, perfect. Now, what are some, uh, forget the business side of it there, but what are yep. some, like if somebody was starting into hypnotism, what would be two or three sort of uh, suggestions or hints that you would give these people starting out that you wish you had have known when you started in the field and the craft? Okay. The best way for me to answer that question is to make this clear. I'm talking about if you want to do it for comedy. Uh, I'm talking about if you want to do it for stage. Because if you want to do it on the clinical side, um, then I would recommend taking other classes. I would recommend taking other psychology classes, psychiatry classes. I would recommend working with some really good therapists. If you're talking about the stage side of things, first thing I recommend, go to comedy open mic nights. Now, you're not going to have time to do a full hypnosis show, but you'll start building comedy. You'll start building your own personality. You'll start learning what works for you. Plus, what I, I love to tell everyone is you go to an open mic, a comedy open mic, and you're going to meet 10 performers. And I'll be honest, six of them aren't doing anything. They're just not. But it's a hobby. It's a whatever. That's fine. Three of them are really working on something. One of them may even be a semi-pro or a pro. And they've got tons of material. They're the ones you want to hang out with. They're the ones you want to talk with. They're the ones you want to go to dinner with because they can help you write and they can help you develop. And the 10th person, you don't know if this person is mentally challenged, drunk, high, or what, but they're a train wreck that just hits the wall over and over and over for five minutes. And if you don't see that 10th person, you just learn something about yourself for the night. Eight. But we <laughs> all have had to be that person. Yeah, you're that person. Uh, so the first thing is go and develop some actual comedy. Learn to be funny. The second is you don't wake up polished. If you want to be proficient at something, if you want your show to be smooth, if you want your show to run flawlessly, you have to make it a flawless show. That is 100% on you. You've got to put in the work. You've got to make it. You've got to make it as good as you want it to be. Anything that goes wrong, it may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. So learn. And the great thing is, once again, there's somebody in your town doing something similar who's doing it really well. Talk to them. Ask them, you know, be sincere. Hey, you know, I'm trying to learn to do this. I'm having a problem with fill in the blank. If you're sincere, more times than not, they will gladly tell you and help you. Fine. Or have you found when you just talk about what you just mentioned that most performers are willing to help each other, you know, help you write your craft or that is it sort of cutthroat because it is making a living. I, I firmly believe this over 85% of all of the true professionals I've ever met all know the following secret. There is more room at the top for great performers than there will ever be performers to fill those slots. 
if you want to be the best at what you do and legitimately be the best, you can do it. You really, really can. And you can do it by learning and by growing with all of these different things. It's, it's not that hard, but you have to be willing to learn. That's great advice. And, and honestly, the 15% I met that were jerks taught me that I just don't want to be that level of jerk. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great education as well. Yeah, certainly is. So living and performing in Vegas, have you been approached by agents and things, you know, for to go down other avenues? Um, some. Now, I think people get confused when we talk about agents and managers. Agents book gigs. Managers manage uh, manage people. Um, throughout a performer's career, they all we all want a manager because we believe we need that to make the next level. But you'll never get to the point of a manager until you get to that level where you almost don't need them. Mm. And a manager once put it to me really well. He's like, if I manage you, I'm going to be making anywhere from 15 to 30% of what you do. Can I make a living off of 30% of your income? If the answer is no, well, then obviously you're not ready for a manager. Agents, on the other hand, you can have multiple agents all pitching you for different different types of events. And a lot of times, like I have one agent who represents me in the college market. I have one, I've got a couple agents that represent me in the corporate market. I've got very specific agents I work with so that I'm never competing against myself. Right. And right. and one thing that I teach people because that's the goal usually is so how do you get those first couple of agents? Because they're the ones who can open you up to way more clients because a lot of clients would rather go, excuse me, through an agent than through it than directly through a performer because they want the recommendations. So the best thing that I have told performers is if you're starting off and you want to find an agent, you're not ready for an agent until you've worked for the same client multiple times. Once you've gotten to the point where clients want you back for other shows, you know you're ready. If a client has booked you for a show, odds are they are not the you are not the only performer they've ever booked. Right. Ask them who else they've worked with. Ask, ask the person booking you, hey, have you ever worked with the follow, with, with any other agencies in town? Well, yeah, I've worked with ABC Agency. Oh, I've always wanted to work with them. Who do you work with over there? And do you mind if I call them and say that you told me to call? That's great advice. Now, when you get to that moment, you better be ready. And <laughs> by ready, I mean have an agent-friendly website. And that means a website with no contact information and ready to go so you can go, hi, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's everything you need to book me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you thought that out before. Like you've been down oh, that, yes. that road before. Many times. In fact, I, I had a couple of agents that I was starting off to do some beautiful things for me. I had an agent once when I was working on a demo video. He brought me into the office. He gave me a bunch of videos, told me to watch them so that I could make notes and know how to put a demo together. But he held back two videos. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And after I was done watching all the videos, he told me to page him. I paged him. He walked into the conference room, puts in the first video, and he goes, now, this guy, he's the best. One day you may be as good as him. I don't know if anybody could actually be better. He shows up late. He's a pain in my butt. He annoys clients. We never work with him. Puts in the next video. He goes, now, this guy, 
this guy's mediocre. You're already better than him. This guy shows up early. This guy is polite and kind to all of my clients. He's easy to work with. And what he taught me that day was if you are the best show and the easiest to work with, you will always have a career. Wow. Is he still around that person? Yes. That manager? Good. Yep. Yes. Good for you. Good for you that you have that in your, your back pocket, so yep. to speak, for advice. And I, I had another agent who, who offered me something very similar. I met him when I was young. It took about three years before he started booking me. And once he started booking me, he started booking me consistently. And I said, hey, why did it take all these years? And he went, you really want the answer? Yeah. So he calls me into his office. So the next day I go to the office and he pulls out my file. And he pulls out all the promo that I had sent him over the years. The first one being almost nothing. The last one being really good and, you know, eight steps in between. He goes, now, I don't want you to look at this as eight pieces of your own promo. Look at these as eight different people. Of these eight people, which one would you hire? And I pointed to my most recent promo. And he goes, okay, why? I said, well, that guy looks the most pro professional. He said, exactly. Years ago, you had the talent, but you weren't professional yet. Before I could put you in front of my clients, I had to make sure that you were ready to be a professional. And that's not just true in the entertainment field. That's true anywhere. One thing you need to ask yourself is, am I presenting myself in such a way that I am being looked at as a professional by the people I need to work with and by the people who need to see me in that light? Yes. Am I professional yet? That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So speaking of professionals, folks, today's guest is Kevin Lapine from yes, Las sir. Vegas, Nevada, and he is a hypnotist. Please, yep. please, please, if you haven't already, buy his book, Deep Into My Eyes, and or go see his shows in Vegas. Yes, When's join us. So Tuesday through Saturday, 4 oh. Queens, 9 p.m. Awesome. That's what I was going to ask. Okay, good luck, buddy. And I guarantee Thank and you I so promise much. that if myself and my wife are ever in Vegas, we will go see your show. Love, I would love to meet you in person. It'd be my pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you did, be sure to subscribe and share with your family and friends. And remember, you may be given a cactus in life, but you don't have to sit on it.